Well, imagine that. Absolutely no music. Yay, Podbean. That's awesome. Thanks, Podbean, for putting that music on here for us. I love it so much. Hey, guys. <laughs> What's going on with the music? There's, it's just rolling. It's just like spinning there. And it's not going to play. And I bet it's going to start playing as soon as we start talking about stuff. Probably well, will. Of course. Ugh. All right. Oh. What am I even saying on the intro this week? Because what's the Blue Beetle books? What's the Blue Beetle book? What? Yeah, what? What number? 52, 1965. 52 from 1965. 52, okay. And then we just kind of a pick-your-own-book kind of thing for the other book. Okay. All right. Welcome, everybody, to the It's Too Wordy comic book podcast, where three buddies talk about comics from their childhood and today. I'm Ryan. Nick. And Kirk. And today we are going to be talking about Blue Beetle, issue 52 from 1965. And we just kind of decided to do, like, pick a book that we picked up this week and read it and see how that goes. So... That's what we're going to do. We're going to see how that goes. Um, so why don't we start off with uh, Blue Beetle? Okay. Uh, Blue Beetle 1965, number 52 from Charlton Comics. Oh, boy. This one was so much better than the last one. Yeah, it was. It actually had a story. I actually um, enjoyed the story. And, of course, like a lot of Charlton books, there is no... Um, credits for who wrote this, drew it, inked it, lettered it, nothing. But um, I like Dr. Dan Garrett so much better than Officer Dan Garrett. Yes. Um, so this book, um, very influenced by early Marvel. Wouldn't you say? Like, um, yeah. how people are positioned, how the art is, the stature of the, the characters. A lot more like early Marvel. They had flaws? Yep. Um, yeah. But, okay, so this guy, right, so Dr. Dan Garrett is at a symposium about, with a what's his name um dr forte yep he's uh giving us a, a, a talk about a skull that he found in an underground cavern and how it it tells about how humans were not raised from monkeys but we were evolved from some subterranean hominid right and so so Dan Garrett's there talking to somebody, right? And he's like, she's like, that's amazing. He's totally brilliant. She's like, well, he could have just, Animal could have just taken that skull into the cave. You know, it doesn't mean anything. Yep. And so question and answer time. The the guy's like, hey, you got any questions? He's like, yes. And Garrett apparently walks up to the stage and takes the skull and looks at it. 
because you know everybody knows who Dr. Dan Garrett is, and they're just going to let him on stage. Yep. <laughs> stage crashing like Kanye. Yeah, he did. He's like, uh, he, this is important and all, but this is this is I'm going to I'm going to prove you wrong here. Yeah. And uh, he flips it over, and he's like, Hey, wait a minute, this can't be an old skull. It's got a filling in it. Who's this so guy's dentist? Right. 1865 is like the first time we ever had a filling. And the dude goes effing bonkers. Yep. Like over the top. Like you, uh, you're going to call me out. Well, I'm going to kill you. Yeah. He, he went, he went there pretty fast. <laughs> he, he has some kind of weird electrical ability where he just kind of like gets covered in, in lightning bolts and he punches Dr. Garrett in the face and knocks him out. And a little bit moving forward, um, like moving forward, like one panel moving forward, like a week later, he gets a letter in the mail and his assistant's like, is he apologizing? Huh? Kirk? Go ahead. No, go ahead. No, I was going to say, I'm going to kill you. <laughs> so she's like, is he apologizing? He's like, no. He uh, is very angry that I publicly ridiculed him. And he vows vengeance against me. Why does he need a note? He told you that. Yep. In he front of wanted, everybody. He just wanted it in writing to leave a paper trail. Right. Because nothing's better. And all of a sudden, there's a, a newspaper that's talking about earthquakes under the ground. Huh. Wonder who's behind that. And it moves on. And then there's like guys in, in humanoid costumes, you know, uh, that 80s cartoon. And they're all under the ground, digging and causing earthquakes. And guess whose job it is to defeat them? That's right. The Blue Beetle. Dr. Dan Garrett Blue Beetle. And what's cool, right? So this is like one of the first times you'll ever know the the magic word for the Blue Beetle is Kajida. And uh, Kajida, they, they, they use that today. Um, that is the name of the scarab that Jaime Reyes wears. Really? Because I don't remember him saying it. It's on page six. No, in the Jaime Reyes. Oh, no, that's the name of the suit. He doesn't actually say it. Oh, okay. Yeah, like, they changed it to be the name of the, the Scarab. Okay. Um, so, we find out that this beetle has a lot more powers, or actual powers, right? He's not just super strong. Um, he can fly... He can absorb electricity or any kind of force directed at him and shoot it back at them. So he's Bishop. Yep. Uh, he's Bishop before Bishop. Uh, who else? Uh, Sebastian Shaw. Um, Gambit. Yep. So, yeah, so... Um, so Beetle decides that he's going to find these guys, and so he digs himself underneath the, the ground like a giant burrowing mole, right? And he, he can find them with a seismograph in his head. So, like, they're just making up powers for him left and right in this book. Um, finds out that the guy that's destroying the, the buildings is Dr... Franz, whatever his name is, Dr. Louis Forte. That's it. Louis Forte. 
Um, yeah, and apparently the blue beetle is um, has a weakness to ultraviolet, which yeah, don't hit me with the ultraviolet lights, dude. Don't put me <laughs> in a surgery room. Don't do it. Because it takes the blue out of the color spectrum. I did not know that that was his weakness, was removing the color blue. And when you got to but page hey. 13, did you think it was printed upside down? I was like, that's kind of cool. He's falling into the thing and he's upside down. That's no. what I thought, yeah. The scanner scanned it the and scanner upside down. The scanner messed up. <laughs> um, just going back to what we did last week. He seemed like he was invincible and could do everything. And they kind of marvelized him and gave him a weakness. Yep. It was kind of nice. So he gets thrown down a volcano. And <laughs> this is this is my favorite part, dude. This is like... And he falls down into the flames of the volcano. And the fire starts to counteract with the infrared and blocks it out. And now he's in regular light again. And he grabs the fire off of the volcano in his hands. Yep. Turns it and into a huge ball. <laughs> throws it at the dude. It is like, yeah, he throws it at the, the generators for the ultraviolet light. <laughs> wow. And then, the, like, uh, yeah, the, the guy gets into a, a burrowing machine that can fly at a thousand miles per hour. Yep. He's flying at a thousand miles per hour in a cave the size of maybe 20 yards. Don't try to overthink this. This is comic books, man. 20 yards. Oh, yeah. Well, they need to. Yeah, it is the 60s. So I'm, I'm not going to be too harsh on this. But not that I'm already not. <laughs> but okay, so. Each of these chapters, there's three chapters in this book, and each one of them seems to be about eight pages long. So, yep. page 16 ends part two, and... Where he Dr. was defeated, and he admits that he was defeated. Yep. And, uh, uh, Dr. Hans Fluger decides to... Booby. <laughs> to, um... I'm your white knight. Right. <clears throat> decides to, uh go on his own on away from them and leave them down there because you know that's what stupid villains do is leave your vill your nemesis alive yep and they he goes to seek revenge on new york so he's going to go underground and destroy all of new york city so no. huh go ahead and all the other big towns right and all it takes is for him to put the buildings back into place for it to stop. <laughs> yep. He he goes underground. Yeah, he's underground. He's using his, like, his uh, seismograph reading in his brain to find it. He destroys the, the vessel. This is, like, in three pages. He destroys the vessel. Doesn't even look to see if the Magno Man or uh, Dr. Durfenspurts is dead. He just leaves him there. Durfenspurts. <laughs> um... <laughs> And then he's like, okay, I gotta go save it. So he puts, he just gets on top of the Empire State Building, pushes it over, pushes back the Statue of Liberty, and he's done. Yay, that's it. That's the issue. He, eight, eight pages, chapter one, eight pages, chapter two, three pages, chapter three. Yep. 
And he's like, I did it. I saved. I saved the world. <laughs> and I couldn't even find the wreckage of the mole. He's down there, buried beneath a trillion tons of solid rock. Okay. That's nice of you. But so much better than that first issue. Yes. But one thing I do hate about Charlton Comics is their typeset. Like, their their wording is so hard to read sometimes. Yes. Like, it's just that big, all caps, typed out sometimes looking. Mm-hmm. And it's just like... Ugh. That, their M, like that. It kind of looks like a, a scrunch together in the front, and then it's long at the end. Yep. It's really kind of hard to read sometimes. The nubby, the nummy, the crab, Nan, Nister Nun, Thunder, Thunderbolt, and Nantis Man. That's what it, it looks like ends. Yep. <laughs> the nummy, the crab Nan. Yeah. I kind of want to see who the crab man is. Yeah. Wasn't that the guy from... Uh, Futurama? No. My name is Earl. Isn't that what they called the his ex-wife's husband, Crab Man? I never watched it. I didn't oh. either. Yeah, because he worked at like a crab restaurant or something, I think. Huh. <laughs> yeah, this this oh. had like those great old uh those great old ads where you could buy like a frontier cabin. One dollar or five for four. It seats one, two to three kids. You know, it's got to be just the biggest piece of garbage, like cardboard. What size of kids? (laughs) (laughs) One to three kids for a buck. Yeah, it holds. It can hold two to three kids. It also comes in uh, a a girl's playhouse, but. You could get a 66-page uh, guitar learning book and learn guitar in seven days for $3. Yep. Ugh. Or just buy Guitar Hero. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah, they do have the uh, the amazing new Space Phone. Sends two-way... Or a space phone set, two-way sends and receives. It looks exactly like the thing that the Blue Beetle used in the 1939 issue. (laughs) (laughs) I do love those old ads. Good stuff. Yep. All right, man. I think that's good for Blue Beetle Dr. Dan Garrett. Yep. All righty. Uh, then we are kind of doing our whatever we picked up book. Kirk, would you like to go? Sure. I picked up Teen Titans Academy number one. Infinite Frontier. And you start off and there's a boat heading towards a building off in the fog. And as they get closer, you see it's Titan Tower. And all the Titans, the senior Titans are there. 
to walk all the faculty is there to welcome them and they got like this this it's like the the kids are like totally tubular and <laughs> uh, like that's their name that's the kid's name Tubi for short wow uh, so Starfire is the headmaster of the school headmistress sorry and they're doing like an orientation and then there's a a training exercise with Nightwing and he does a Harry, jo- Harry Potter joke welcome everyone to the defense against the dark arts and nobody laughed <laughs> he's teaching self defense and somebody thought it would be funny to put a hologram of red X up um, to taunt Dick and quick demonstrates or Dick quick Dick <laughs> demonstrates um, how to take your enemy out fast and everybody's like whoa that's cool right and Billy Batson is a school uh, student at the school uh, really yep and they're talking about going to a party later and okay so um the names are Megabat Chupacabra and Brat Girl are the Bat Pack um Okay, it's Summer Zahid, Matt Price, Brick Petoroso, Ali, Alita, Tubi, my favorite name, the totally tubular guy, Gorilla Greg, and Stitch are the new students. And so they, uh, So they're talking about how the faculty are the Titans, the upperclassmen are the active roster of Teen Titans, and they say, where are they now? And they are fighting, um, some dude with clocks, TikTok, Teen Titans, the Clock King, I don't, I don't know. (laughs) Um, and they're talking about how they are used to fighting Deathstroke and they can't believe they're missing a first day of school for this guy and they're in Saudi Arabia where's their fighting and I found out that that chick that I couldn't remember what her name is she looked like a red arrow yeah her name's red arrow (laughs) <laughs> um, well, at least Cyber- you 
you understood the clues and thought, looks like a red arrow. Yep. <laughs> um, Cyborg's upset because he has to teach Homek. And it's funny because Beast Boy signed him the, the uh, class. So. Um, one of the students is in the training room. Like, it looks like a poor man's danger room. All it does is holograms. Um, he's fighting the Red X and all his multiple Red Xs. And he uses a power. And Donna Troy was like it. That was impressive. Um, he used what would what they call an organic EMP. So, and he had no. Uh, he doesn't like using it, and she's her advi- She's his advisor, and they decide that they're going to try to kick each other's ass in sparring. Um, then they go to um, room assignments and they make a joke about shared bathrooms and uh, what's that smell? And they're like, I think it's the shared bathrooms. And Tubi, my guy Tubi, goes into his dorm room and his um, room dorm room partner is Roundhouse and he says I'm Tubi, totally tubular and uh, Roundhouse says yeah you're a shapeshifter and you can turn into a tube very clever anything else you can turn into no just a tube uh, that doesn't seem very useless useful and uh, Tubi uh, says to Roundhouse, "You'd be surprised. Also, don't you just turn into balls?" <laughs> and Roundhouse looks at him and says, "Big balls." And they just start arguing with each other. Fast forward to Nightwing's birthday party. It always seems to be in the Teen Titans book that they're always celebrating Nightwing's birthday party. It's never anybody else's birthday. I guess nobody else is cool enough to have a birthday in this book. All the Teen Titans books I've read, it's always been Nightwing's birthday. Um, and... Di- uh, Dick goes off to get a little something-something from... Uh, Starfire. And they come across... Uh, Brick... And because it's past lights out, Dick confronts him, and Brick runs away. And that seemed weird, and then it ends with a guy punching a mirror in the Red X hood. And that was it. I, uh, I liked it. Especially the totally tubular name, you know, is taking me back to my 80s roots. <laughs> um, the art was fantastic, and it actually had quite a bit to read. 
and the book flowed really well, and yeah, it was really good. I recommend it. Good deal. All right. Well, so, full disclosure, I was trying to figure out what book you did, so I didn't do the same book. <laughs> Just okay. on that off chance. Okay. Um, and Nick, you said you didn't get a chance to get a book, right? I did not. Okay. So, when we were trying to decide what book to get last week, we kind of just said, let's pick one we each wanted to get. And there was like three or four of them I was like super interested in. And one of them was Marvel's first alien adventure. Alien has been under Dark Horse for how many? Like 35 years or something like that. And this was Marvel's first attempt at writing a alien book. Um, long story short, they probably should give it back to Dark Horse. This is not good. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, they talk about how this guy has a dream about this woman who's controlling the aliens and he you know when they come back out there from him having this dream you see him talking to a, uh, a therapist and you find out he's retiring he's going back to earth and this therapist is like yeah I transferred all your information down to the other version of me where you're going to be at so it's like a AI program that the doctor looks the same on each program or on wherever they're at and they do this big retirement party for him and um, he's excited about seeing his son he hasn't seen his son in years and you find out the son is a political activist who doesn't agree with what his dad does and um, he just basically went to see his dad to get a key to the spaceship so he could get on the spaceship and try to destroy it and uh, there's some flashback scenes yada 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 uh, long story short the kids get up there to destroy the satellite and it does not go as planned it was a lot of talking hardly any action um, you only get to see the aliens maybe twice and it's more like a flashback type deal um, the neatest thing about this book was the cover and I got the variant cover otherwise I mean I hope they do something with it good luck with it I it's just it's not for me <laughs> I tried it it's not not the book for me okay. so I give it a strong pass all right. all right that moves us over to our random reads Nick did you have any random reads you'd like to do or do you I actually did first? awesome can you uh, believe it 
You want me to go first? Mine's going to be really quick. Dude, go for it. All right, so I picked up Chris Claremont Anniversary Special number one. And so I still hate Bill Sankowitz's art. It's just atrocious. But the good thing is, is it's just not Bill Sankowitz doing the art. It's different artists. Like one, like three or four pages with Sankowitz, and then it switched to another artist for three or four pages, and then it switches to another. So it starts out, and Danny Moonstar is taking care of her... Um, Winged Asgardian Stan, Stallion uh, Brightwind when she is um, confronted by Hela and she's talking about the firmament of causality and thy destiny so then she turns into Hella, there's a scene where Dark Phoenix comes and starts burning the shit out of Danny Moonstar and Brightwind. And... It's just trying to... To uh, tell her that... Uh, she represents... Um... I don't know. I kind of read this kind of quickly. The two sides of, of Destiny. That she's one side and Dan is, Danny's the other. And the book basically is from Danny Moonstar's viewpoint. Um, so you go ahead to... Um, you're in the Baxter building and there's all these different versions of the Fantastic Four and their kids fighting each other. And there's three Sue Storms, three Johnny Storms, three different Reed Richards. Um, each of the three um, Sue, Sue Richards take out their version of Reed Richards. There's one as Doom. Um, the other one is... Uh, Okay, it's not Reed Richards. Two of them are Reed Richards and one is Namor. Um, the other one takes out Namor. And the third one is fighting her her husband and he says, You can't beat me. Uh, and she knows, says, I know your fatal weakness, my darling, your deepest, darkest secret. And guess what his deepest, darkest secret is, guys? You want to take a guess? He wears, wears briefs instead of boxers. No. What do you think, Nick? He had his wings enlarged. Nope, he's ticklish. The end. Uh, what? He was ticklish, and that's where I stopped reading. The end. Wow, okay. That sounds amazing. <laughs> so, Sign me up. <laughs> my favorite writer wrote a stupid thing about Reed Richards being ticklish. Hmm. 
Hmm. I can't even give it a power ring. (laughs) (laughs) I I was like, okay, I'm done. That's... Brutal, right? Yeah. That's what happens when you put him on a contract where he can't work for anybody else. He gets stale. Yep. Had no desire to go past that part. (laughs) So I wasted four bu- five bucks. Uh, oh my god. I paid five bucks because it was Chris Claremont. Wow. Never going to get my money back. <laughs> so, alright, that's all I got, guys. Cool. Hey, so before I do mine, I just want to tell you guys that I did find that somebody made a Blue Beetle movie in 2012. What? I saw you posted about that. Yeah, it's called Agent Beetle and it's got maybe half a star out of 5 review. Oh, nice. Well, it's got it's got 1.2 out of 10 on IMDb. Um it's Dan Garrett. And they they don't bring up his name because of copyright issues. He's Agent Beetle, but he's got the big uh, he's wearing all blue and he's got the the lenses on. That's about it. So if you want to look for it, you can find it. It's on YouTube. <laughs> Amazing. Okay. What star rating would you give it, Nick? I haven't seen it yet. Oh, okay. I found it today. All right. <laughs> so um, we were watching Falcon and the Winter Soldier, and it got me interested to reread some... Um, Jack Daniels, sorry, Johnny Walker stories. <laughs> he did later become Jack Daniels. Oh. Yes. In really? the in the late 90s, maybe early 2000s, when they relaunched him, he, he no longer went by John Walker. He went by Jack Daniels. So that was their nice. little inside joke against themselves. Um, so uh, Johnny Walker read... Or, or is he Johnny Walker White? He's or Johnny, Johnny Walker, Walker Blue. Blue. Yeah. Okay. So I read, and I was very ambitious, and I said I was going to read the Cap No More storyline from 332 through 334, where Walker becomes Cap, and the new Bucky shows up later, Battlestar. Right? Well, I got through issue 322, barely. Uh, if you want to talk about wordy, this is a very wordy issue. But like a lot of caps at this time, there was a lot of storyline that they were pumping in each issue. Um, so this not only has to deal with Cap going before the the Armed Services Committee or whatever that is, um, the CSA. I can't even remember who he's talking to, but he... It deals with a terrorist, like, landing on the Washington Monument with a nuke and sitting on top of it and shooting people. And so he just wants more war, right? So uh, it goes to Cap, and he's sitting outside the Pentagon, and he's got to wait. So we already know how they feel about Cap, right? So he's got to wait. He's got to go through metal detectors. He's got to pretty much go through full body scan, you know, uh, cavity searches, everything, just to get into an office with a... 
one of the the guys that works at the Pentagon, one of the generals, and uh, he's telling him that um, Cap's found out that they are uh, using the super soldier serum again, and they're creating super superhumans. And he's like, "I gotta tell you, I I do not approve of this. Like, this will create monsters, pretty much. Like." He, everybody who's taken the soldier serum has become a complete psycho. Um, and he's like, well, Cap, you know what? You really don't have a say about this because that's the government and you're not the government, right? So you can pretty much just get your old ass out of my office and go walk with these FBI guys. They'll walk you out, right? But these guys don't walk him out. They walk him into... Uh, what he calls a Spanish Inquisition room where there's all these senators and all these uh, people from the Pentagon, like the heads of the CIA, the FBI, and they're, they're about to uh, interrogate him. Like, you know, we created the freedom force. We created to deal with these things, but they've kind of failed, you know, because they're the suicide squad. Of course they, they're going to fail. They're all villains. Right. And, and he, they start going into cap like okay one we created Operation Rebirth so everything that is your persona is ours you don't you don't own the Captain America name you don't own the shield we can we want it back right and they're like also you volunteered right so when you went you died supposedly and came back we gave you a million dollars as back pay and whatever for that time and if you don't work for us we're going to take that back so just think about that right so you're going to owe us that and we want you to be the mascot for the united states government now we don't want you running around with the avengers we don't want you doing this we want you to be what you were supposed to be a soldier you're going to take orders and you're going to not ask questions yeah and they're like okay you you signed you signed a contract that you were going to be a soldier back in 45 or 44 you know before you disappeared and you you owe us you know and Cap's like, okay, just give me give me like 24 hours to think about this, right? I have a lot to think about. So he leaves. He goes back to his hotel and you you see John Walker doing like 507 push-ups on his one finger, right? He looks like Ivan Drago. And I think that's where they were going with this. Like yeah. um he's got the big old blonde flat top. He's just a ginormous dude. And they're in Atlanta, right? It's 1042 Atlanta AM, right? And this guy is in Washington on top of the Washington Monument. And they're watching it on the news. And they're like, how fast can we get there? Okay. So you're going to go from Atlanta to Washington, D.C. just to uh, look at a terrorist on a building? Sounds like a great idea. And apparently this whole time, 
like John Walker's been having this uh he's been doing rallies for himself. Like, how great am I? You know? Oh, and he's Donald Trump. I think that's they're going very eighties kind of guy, and that's exactly kind of where that was going. Um so Cap goes home to his apartment. Well, he's in this really low-budget hotel, which is really funny because this is when Cap was broke, and uh, he's running the 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 nationwide computer, you know, uh, hub for help. <laughs> and so Cap's like, I need to talk to people. I need to talk to somebody who could understand me. So he calls his old girlfriend Bernie, and Bernie's not home. She's at school, pretty late. Then he's like, Okay, well, let me call Sam. So Sam calls and he's like, um, if they ask you to do something that you can't stomach, you could always bail, right? Uh, no. He cannot. Uh, Nick Fury is away doing something. He calls Demolition Man Dunphy and he's like, you know what? You'll just do the right thing. You know, you always do. He calls Hawkeye and Hawkeye's like, yeah, leave a, leave a message. I'm out of town kicking some ass. And he gets a hold of Monica Rambeau, which is really cool. And she's like, I don't know about that. This seems really fishy. Let me, uh, let me get you the lawyer for the Avengers. And uh, she can go through some stuff with you. So Cap has this whole inner monologue of like, you know, why he joined and what America meant for him and what it is now. He's like, you know, it's... It, I'm not going to be serving my country as I would want to. They're going to take pretty much every freedom I have away. Like, I'm going to have to, like, you know, not see my friends. I'm going to be, like, a 24-hour uh, soldier again, you know, taking orders. And I don't know if I can do that anymore. You know, uh, this... He says something about um, this America, this administration isn't the same as when he signed on you know so he's he wouldn't be fighting for the american people he'd be fighting for an american presidential um administration pretty much and then he's like got this, all these like you know he'd be going into like nicaragua and like fighting against you know helping out the contras and stuff and and then if he says no he's going to be like asking Tony for a million dollar loan and trying to repay him and then seeing somebody else dressed up like Cap which I think in this costume is Sam Wilson which is pretty cool because Sam did wear the costume for like one issue way back in the past um, like but I could become Nomad you know I could do that again and all this time like Super Patriots like being an idiot trying to like get to the Washington Monument he walks up, he talks to the cops, and they're like, yeah, get out of here. And he gets out of there. And they're like, well, we probably need like some kind of like distraction, right? And so it ends up that he scales the, he runs up the Washington Monument, scales it with Wolverine claws, throws a ninja star at the terrorist, knocks him off the building, throws him to the ground, dead. The guy... Actually, he doesn't land. He uh, pulls a pin on a grenade and blows up in the air. And Cap finally gets to talk to somebody who reminds him why he's doing it. So he calls this little kid on the phone. His name is Ram. And Ram is like the biggest Captain America fan ever. And he met him on the national hotline. 
And he's like, you know, I've met so many good, like, good pals on this thing, you know. And, you know, you, I, I'm going to be your fan until even after I start dating. Like, this is like maybe a 12 year old kid. Yeah. And Cap's like, you know what? No matter what I do, I'll be letting everybody I know down. If I do what they want me to do, I'm going to let everybody who looks up to me down. So Cap walks into the office, into the Pentagon, as Steve Rogers, not as Cap. Um, he walks into the security agency's room. He tells them that I represent the American dream, the freedom to strive to become all that you can dream of being. You know, being Captain America has always been the American, my American dream. And he puts the shield and the costume down and walks away. And he's like, it's actually a really cool, like, issue, like, delving into what Cap is like as a person. You know, like, the, the inner turmoil of him, like, does he go back to being a like a straight up gung ho soldier, or does he and go back to actually like into a war zones and start killing people again? And I think that was one of the major thing that he doesn't want to do. You know, this this cap left the guns and all that in the past until they brought it into you know the ultimates. But th th this cap was. You know, not the kid that entered World War II. This was more of a, you know, I don't kill my villains or my enemies. I, I don't know. It's just, it, it's a really cool issue to read again, you know. I've never read that one. I always kind of wanted to. But you get to see the difference between Cap and uh, Super Patriot a lot. Or Johnny Walker or U.S. Agent or... Whatever else they call him. Jack Daniels. Jack Daniels. Jose Cuervo. Yep. Well, that's next. <laughs> that's that's when they send him, you know, uh, I'm trying to remember the team of Mexican superheroes or the superheroes in the South that they had for a while. You know, because they did send the U.S. Uh, US agent to Alpha Flight for a while. Yeah. That was stupid. Um yeah, I'm just when they send, uh, you know, Senior America down to uh, the the Southwest. You know, when they when they get tired of U.S. Agent, and they send uh, Jose Cuervo down there. <laughs> oh, too good. All right. Oh. Okay, so I guess it's my turn. Alright. I actually had a pretty good week of books. Um, one of the other books that I was looking at was Lady Baltimore, The Witch Queens. Um, I always liked the Baltimore series. I've never read anything with Lady Baltimore. Um... This is a one in five issue, or one out of five, you know, one out of five. That's what I'm trying to say. And apparently uh, her husband has died, and now she's taking on some of the responsibilities 
that Baltimore took care of and she openly admits that she doesn't believe in any of this stuff yet she's fighting it um, all the supernatural stuff and uh, she's actually partnered up with a witch who helps kind of keep an eye on things for her so um, I'm not sure exactly where it's going yet because they did a rescue mission to save somebody um, but this priest was also captured and Lady Baltimore's like yeah I don't want to have any dealings with you and then somehow they ended up on a, all on an airplane together it was just kind of goofy but uh, it's a good story I like the art I think I'll pick up the next one see kind of how it goes uh, but I've always been kind of interested in this universe I've just never gotten in to this universe um, so I'll definitely be checking that out okay so the next three are must reads I, I can't emphasize that enough um, the first one is Stray Dogs so issue two came out this last week um, I'm like, you know what, I'm going to pick up issue one. I've been picking up the movie cover variants. So, like, the first cover, it looks like Silence of the Lambs. The second cover, I believe, is Pet Cemetery. And it is... The best way to put this, actually, is what Brian Michael Bendis said about it. Pulling it up here. Um, let's see. My favorite thing about comics is when someone shows you something you didn't need, know you needed. The Secret Life of Pets meets Seven is what he says Stray Dogs is. And he's not wrong. Um, it is about a dog who is taken in to this house and there's a bunch of other orphaned dogs there and this dog is very shy and off to the side and one of them kind of takes the lead and shows them shows her around and uh, introduces everybody and she's like he's like there's this one room we cannot go into this room don't ever go into that room otherwise we can pretty much do what we want you know she and then shows them out to the backyard and goes and this is where we go to the bathroom you know <laughs> so you still have that kind of humor about dogs but it's same time uh, it's kind of like there's that dark undertone of the owner of all these dogs something's going on with them and all of a sudden uh, the main dog I can't remember what her name is I'll have to pull it up here real quick but she sees a red scarf and all of a sudden kind of remembers where she came from so she kind of blacking things out so the main dog's named Sophie how did I forget that huh. and um, and Rusty's like the one that's showing around anyhow um, she sees this red scarf and she's like oh I know what happened she goes your owner killed my my owner and all the dogs are like, yeah, that didn't happen. But our guy's really great. He feeds us and takes care of us. And the only thing is, we cannot go into that one room. 
And she's like, no, I know what happened. Well, then they laid down and went to bed and Rusty came over the next morning. She's like, you know, I don't want to say that I necessarily believe you, but I don't think you're necessarily making everything up either. I'm willing to listen. And she's like, I don't know what you're talking about. So she kind of goes back into that denial stage until she sees the red scarf again. And it, and I don't want to give away anything else. Um, but this was amazing. It's only going to be a five-issue miniseries. Uh, there is a lot of humor in it. There is those dark undertones to it. This needs to be read. Everybody should check it out. It is an Image Comics book. Um, it's done by Anthony Fleeks and uh, Trish Fosner. And at the back of it, uh, you find out that they're really big dog lovers and they kind of go into um, their pets and stuff like that and the, kind of telling where they came from on this story. But this is just amazing. Two issues are out already. I waited until the second one to see if it was worth getting. Um, and I'm very disappointed I didn't pick it up sooner. But yeah, very, very good. Um, okay, so... The next two are a little bit older. Um, as most people know, I'm a huge G.I. Joe fan. I love reading G.I. Joe books. I really like the uh, lesser-known characters, that kind of a thing. And so I read G.I. Joe Cobra from about 2010. Um, there's a four-issue miniseries before this one, and then turned into a, I think, about 15-issue book. Um, this needs to be read as well. Um, it's actually taking the perspective. So the forum issue, issue mini was about Chuckles going undercover and being a part of Cobra. And then the first four issues of Cobra 2 was a continuation of that. And then it morphed into the storytelling of Cobra, or as they call it, the, the coil. Um, and what their thought process is, how they have a religious sect of their group, how they've got uh, like a therapeutic section of their group. Uh, if they recruit people that, hey, you know, you want to go out and kill people? We got a group for you over here. Come join us. They, they take in all comers. Um, the the twins, Tomax, Tomax and Zamont, uh, are like the business owners that you see in the cartoon, but they're unbelievably ruthless. Um, you get origin stories for characters like Crocmaster, which was wow. Um, this, you should read the, this. Go find it, get it read it um, don't get me wrong I like G.I. Joe a real American hero but this G.I. Joe Cobra story is unbelievable um, 
I've actually been finding that I'm looking for more time to be able to sit down so I can keep on reading more issues of this because I've been enjoying it so much. Absolutely worth checking out and getting. All right, final one is um, Letter 44. Have either of you heard of Letter 44? Nope. Nope. So I never got the single issues of it. I picked up the trades of it. And I really liked it when I first got the trades of it. Um, actually, where I work, one of the executive leaders of the company knows I was into comics and told me to read this. So that's why I started picking it up. And um, this is kind of like Independence Day, only it's in space. A team gets recruited of about 10 people to go on this mission um, into outer space to deal with this threat and you get to know the each team member uh, what they're all about um, the relationships they have with other team members um, you have your you know they, they're all walks of life you have one guy that's kind of like a hippie you have one that's kind of like he reminds me of uh, Murdoch from the A-Team like unbelievable mechanic but kind of out there you know that kind of personality you got the military guy um, I mean, just all over the board this is an amazing story they're not making it anymore is six trades um, you even get the aliens perspective and why they aren't the bad guys um, the guy that wrote this is Charles Soule. And if you've ever read any of his independent stuff, this is right up there as one of the best independent books he's ever written, if not um, just in general. Um, this You need to read this one too. It's great. Um, I accidentally missed the trade of issue five. So... I got it not too long ago and I decided to read it over the weekend and I forgot how awesome this book was until I started getting into this and then I couldn't put it down. Um, definitely, definitely, definitely check this one out. I can't recommend it enough. Alright, that's what I got. Wow. Cool. Overall, some really good books. That's not an alien. Um, <laughs> <laughs> they can't all be winners. Oh. So what do we got for um, random news? Or random news? That's not even a segment. What do we got for news? <laughs> um... <clears throat> I am really enjoying watching the uh, Marvel movies with my daughter. One, because she's so impatient that she asks me things that are explained in the movies. And then 
gets upset when I don't say what it is right then and there. I tell her to watch her mo- the movie, and she's like, Ah, I'm so impatient! <laughs> At least she recognizes it. But we watched uh, Captain America Winter Soldier. Still uh, my favorite one. And uh, my favorite scene in that movie is the elevator scene. Mm-hmm. When he's going up and they all get in the elevator on different floors. And he uh, he's like, just so, uh, before we start, does anybody want to get off? And then he just proceeds to... That's still my favorite scene. In that confined of a space, and he kicks the shit out of every single one of them. Yeah. Um, she liked it. I think she was more excited. She's a big Scarlet Witch fan. From watching WandaVision. And she got excited with the cutscene where it introduces Quicksilver and... Uh, Scarlet Witch at the end. Mm-hmm. Than she did throughout the whole movie. <laughs> so, um, let's see. I've fallen into many rabbit holes about the Zack Snyder, um, Justice League movie, and I can tell you that if you have any other opinion than that it's the greatest movie ever made, you are seen as not smart. Yeah, I've seen quite a bit of that myself. That's what I've taken away from it. Some of my hate could come of the movie could come from the fans. I don't know. But yeah, lots of rabbit holes. Um can't think of anything else at the moment. You guys got anything? What was it you... Oh, Marvel's going to their own distribution. Yeah, they're going to... Yeah. Uh, what was it? Oh, I can't Penguin? Penguin? Penguin Press? Penguin Random House? Which I thought was hilarious considering they don't have the rights to the Penguin character. Yeah. <laughs> so... We'll see how that goes. What do you guys think about it? Uh, that could be the death nail to Diamond, possibly. Um, I didn't think it was going to work for DC. Still not sure they figured it out yet because they started off with two distributors and then they broke down to one. Um... The hubbub, a lot of people are saying, is that the good news is it could mean that you're going to find comics in bookstores again, which may not be a bad thing. Um, I've always thought Diamond being the main distributor and having control of everything, I I don't know how that's not considered a monopoly. But they always managed to shut down anybody else that stood up and said, hey, I want to do this, and they shut them down very quickly. Um, 
but now people are getting the guts to do it. So, I don't know. I'll be anxious to see what happens. It's kind of like what I said to you. Um, when DC first started this, it did not go real smoothly. Um, using a different distributor, hopefully uh, they kind of have a plan in place and learn from seeing what happened with DC using the distributors and go from there. Okay. Uh -huh. Nick, you got anything? No. Not really. Okay. <clears throat> yeah, it's just been a crazy week for me, so not really got a lot of chance to watch stuff. But yeah, we were what we were talking about Suicide Squad. <laughs> oh, I I agree with Nick. I want to watch it to see what kind of train wreck it is. Well, John Cena's catchphrase is "You can't see me," and I really wish I couldn't see him in this movie. That's that's where I'm at. You don't think even James Gunn could make this a respectable for movie? I think it's going to be absolutely insane. You know, it, yeah. I I love Killer Shark, so I'm waiting. I want to see what they do with Killer Shark. But the rest of the characters, I'm just like, I I don't care for any of these guys. What's his name called? John Cena's name? It's Peacemaker. Peacemaker should be Trash Can Head. Go Radar Dish. Texas-sized belt buckle. I mean, they... Oh. Has he actually had acted in anything before? I mean... He's the Marine. He was funny. I can't remember what movie we watched. That's how good it was. Oh, it was Trainwreck. <laughs> he was funny in that. But he wasn't the lead. He wasn't carrying the part. No, but it was funny watching him say he would somebody called him Mark Wahlberg and he says I look like Marky I ate Marky Mark he's in psych also um oh yeah he was in psych he was in that Mark Wahlberg Big Daddy movie is that Big Daddy like, oh yeah he did play the the, the her ex-husband daddy's, yeah, daddy's home. home he played the ex-husband in daddy's home he was pretty good in that Uh, I never watched the Marine movies. I'm not that big of a WWE fan. I think I may have seen one of them, but I can't remember who was in it. <laughs> so. I don't know. I... I don't even know if it's the whole John Cena thing as much as we're making a movie about a character they're making a movie about a character that time has pretty much forgotten until the Suicide Squad thing and now he's all over the place great yeah. but again you have how many <laughs> unbelievably amazing characters that deserve better treatment than this character 
And you're not touching them. And hey, if you want a cool Peacemaker poster, I made one on my Etsy store. (laughs) Yes, you did. (laughs) Nick, I support you in a lot of things. This I will not support you in. Merry Christmas. There's one coming to you. Signed by John Cena. (laughs) Yeah, I'm not, no. I'm not looking forward to it. Good for them for figuring figuring this out or something, but I, I, I don't know. I'm not. No. I do agree. I think it's going to be a train wreck. The thing it, with D- DC movies is I always go in hoping that they're really awesome. That they finally do something awesome. Like, I really liked Aquaman. I liked Wonder Woman. Both Wonder Womans. Um, Man of Steel was okay. It could have been worse. Um, Man yeah. of Steel I did have a problem with when I initially saw it. I still have a problem was, that he kills Zod. Yeah. I mean, it was like, that's not what Superman does. Have you not seen any of the Christopher Reeve Supermans? This is not how he acts. This Christopher Reeve is how he acts. But, you know, I got over that. Um, I still can't get over that Kevin Costner dies. It's like, (laughs) you have super speed. You are not going to be seen if you run him out further down the the pasture. Yeah. Yeah. Like, oh, God. If I remember, it's been a bit since I've seen it, but didn't... Kevin Costner wave him off though and say, "Nope, you don't do it." He might have. Well, I mean, he did. Out, he would have gotten if he. But he can't stop him. Yeah. What's Jonathan going to do? Pull out some kryptonite on him? You never know. He probably has some in his pocket just in case. Yeah. I don't know. Um. I I like I said I always hope going in that they're gonna be good. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't know. I I can't believe the was original Suicide Squad great. By no means, no. But I didn't think it was as bad as everybody makes it sound and how they think this next Suicide Squad's gonna just be amazing compared to it. I'm like, I didn't think it was horrible. You know, I, have, it wasn't, I have not watched it all the way through. It wasn't like Masters of the Universe. You know, it's... Hey! Not horrible, in my opinion, but... <clears throat> <clears throat> Nobody's really asked for my opinion on movies before... Or, uh, on uh, superhero movies that, you know, actually have some kind of power... They don't, yeah. you know. <laughs> People are like, hey, what do you think of this movie? I'll tell them what they, I feel about it. But, you know, Warner Brothers has never called me and said that either. So I don't know. Um, they're pl- promoting the hell out of Black Adam. So they did something in New York for that. Yep. Uh, Dr. Fate's going to be in Black Adam? 
Yeah, it's going to be... Uh... Pierce Brosnan. Oh. Shit, what is that? Remington Still. Yeah. Pierce Brosnan. Yes. Right, well, I knew it was Pierce Brosnan. But Timothy everybody Dalton. thinks of him as Bond. And I'm like, no, I remember him from Remington Steel. <laughs> <laughs> I remember him from Mrs. Doubtfire. <laughs> I always liked him. I think he would be really good. I Yeah, I don't know much about Dr. Fate. So I don't have a... I can't form an opinion about it. What do you think, Nick? Is he going to be able to pull it off? Yeah, I haven't seen what he looks like lately, but I could I could see like an older, you know, wise Doctor Fate. It would be kind of cool instead of like always with the young, yeah, young guy. Yeah, yeah. I, I think he'll, he'll he'll do pretty good. Like I was like, who's playing Naboo? You know, who's, who's going to play the old wizard? Because they're probably going to have somebody in the past, you know. Yeah. I don't know. Secretly, I'm really hoping Detective Chimp shows up. Not holding my breath. But if they're bringing in Dr. Fate, you gotta. there's got to be a little bit of hope there, right? Did you see that they're also <clears throat> doing a Zatanna movie? I heard about uh, that. I don't know how I feel about that. They keep on... Apparently the director's supposed to be a hot up-and-comer. Didn't they say the same thing about the guy that directed Jim Cotta? <laughs> I mean... <laughs> and I love Jim Cotta. But I mean... Yeah. I don't know. It, it, they've just publicized, or publicized how big this is a huge deal. I don't know if it's because she's a female director or what she's done previously, but there's not a whole lot of description about Zantana, so people know what Zantana's about. It's more about how this director is going to make, do amazing things. And I appreciate a good director, but to me, I think the bigger announcement would be making it, you know, talking about the character a little bit. But it's kind of nice to see him going to the magical side of DC. It could be that Constantine became really popular with his TV show and then showing up on The Flash and then showing up, you know, in uh, Legends of Tomorrow. Constantine's a different animal compared to... Right, but it, it introduced people to the magic side of DC, which right. DC really never really did, other than that Keanu Reeves movie. Oh, yeah. And so. I, last I heard, he was willing to uh, repraise that role. I don't know why, but he <laughs> is willing to do it. Um, I don't know. What was the other one? I... Oh. And then, going back to Keanu Reeves, he that book he published, that Berserker or whatever, mm -hmm. it's going getting a show on Netflix already? 
Yep. Uh, from everything I heard, the reviews weren't all that great on it. And then it went, like, going crazy because all of a sudden, oh, sign a Netflix deal, everybody's got to own it because, you know, we can flip it for a profit kind of thing. But I hadn't heard anything about it. Uh, anything positive, I should say. Hmm. But good luck finding a first print of that now. <laughs> I got one. What'd you think of it? I haven't read it yet. It's really thick. I'm like, oh, God, I don't know. <laughs> like, you know I love Matt Kent. and Yeah. I'm just like, yeah. oh, I don't know. I, I want to read it, but yet I'm really not a big Gunfu fan anymore. Like, if it, if it was, like, 1999, I would be, like, all over it. Like, I don't know. It's just... I just don't care about people shooting everybody anymore. Right. Which is probably why I haven't watched John Wick 2 and 3. I haven't seen the third one yet. I've seen the first one. I've not seen the other two. I like the first one the best out of the two I've watched. Okay, that's good to know. It's funny, when we were watching it, like they kept saying, do you know who that is? That's John Wick. John Wick, John Wick, John Wick. They say John Wick like 95 times in the first half hour of that movie. And yeah. Sonya finally looks over at me, and she's like, who the hell's John Wick? <laughs> I'm like, I don't know. Apparently he's John Wick. But apparently he's he, everybody in this whole town knows who he is. But I was like, you're not supposed to know who he is. Oh, okay. I'm like, good. Yeah. Oh. Well, they should have said that's Ted. Huh. <laughs> that would have been amazing. Well, I thought that was Ted. <laughs> oh, I was watching that. Reminds me, I was telling. Yeah, I was just going to say that. From Mall Rats when uh, Ethan Suplee is looking for the sailboat in the that dotted that th how you're supposed to look at this picture and see a sailboat yeah <laughs> and she's like oh a sailboat and he's like Brent huh and she's like dick <laughs> oh that's such a great movie yep it's I never still... could see all, see those stupid dots in that I couldn't either, so I felt his pain. <laughs> oh. We all just stood at them looking like idiots. Like, yep. I finally got it after a while, but it messes with your eyes so bad. Yeah, it does. The key's not to focus on it, so you're trying not to focus on it, and people are thinking you're staring at them. And Yeah. <laughs> you're supposed to look at it like you're looking through a, a window. So you have to relax your eyes, and it's like, uh, let me look two feet behind it, is pretty much what you have to do. Not like you're going to find any more of those, but I'm just letting you know how to do it. Yeah. Well, there's still some on the back of comic books. 
Remember like when they put them in the in the Sunday paper and they were really hard to look at? Oh yeah. Like it's in newsprint, guys. How are we supposed to work? And it actually kind of did work, but. Uh, looks like Marvel Legends is releasing a John F. Walker Legends series. Oh, for Pete's toy. Sake. Just what the world needs. <laughs> he. Uh, I like how they have to call him John F. Walker now, not Johnny Walker. Not Johnny because, Walker. Because that company would be like, "Give us some money." Oh yep. yeah. Way Marvel makes money hand over fist, you know they would. Yep. What else? I saw. It seems like I saw some other stuff. Oh, I know what I was going to ask you guys. It's a two-part question. First off, what do you? Who do you think is the greatest rivalry in comics? Like character-wise, yeah. That's so many. Oh, I know. But when you think about it, who's the one that really just kind of stands out to you? I'm not saying there's a right answer or a wrong answer. Just like a friendly rivalry, or like I think you're talking friendly rivalry, right? The one, the one that stands out to me is Wolverine and Cyclops. That's what I was gonna say. See, Wolverine and, and Hulk. Yeah. Some of them were listing off uh, like um, Batman, uh, Joker kind of thing. Ben Grimm, Johnny Storm. Yeah. I said, and so I want your opinion on this because I I thought it was pretty good. I said Aunt May and Death. <laughs> <laughs> I, she just keeps hanging on. You know Death's got to be getting pissed off, right? I mean... Would that not count? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Aunt May's immortal. She's a watcher. And that's what I followed up with. I'm like, how is she still alive? What is what like, is unless uh, she maybe she is, is death. eternal? <laughs> Sam Sam uh, Guthrie is a uh, oh what is he? He's a high lord. He's like immortal. He's a Highlander. No. There can only be one. You're going to take his head? It was in the X-Force comic books. That's why Cable was so adamant to yeah. have him. I can't remember what it was called. But he's basically he's immortal and can never die. So, what was the second part of the question? Well, that was my second part was... Would Aunt May and uh, okay, and death count? Was I wrong? Okay, that's a good one. Well, I mean, there's just so many great rivalries, and everybody kind of went straight towards the you know, Joker and Wolverine, and uh, or Joker, Batman, Wolverine, and uh, Sabretooth, or Spider-Man and Green Goblin. I mean, they just... I'm like... There's so many great ones out there. I'm like, I'm just going to do one that's off the wall just to see 
and I don't think anybody hates Aunt May as much as I do because it, I don't think it landed. <laughs> I, I don't get it. I can tell you I don't hate Aunt May in the Spider-Man movies, the Tom Holland movies. No, no, tolerable. Fair, you know. She's sitting not sitting there being a whiny. Peter, eat your wheat cakes. Peter. <laughs> yeah. Needy and dense. You know, I. that's the Aunt May that drives me insane, is the... Peter, help me up the stairs. Peter, grab me the newspaper. Peter, turn on the TV. You know, it's like... May, you're 175 years old, or when are you going to die? <laughs> Peter, why is your room always locked? Peter, why do you take extra long showers? <laughs> oh. Oh, crazy, hmm. crazy, crazy. Could say Rogue and uh, Miss Marvel. Yeah. Um, I thought uh, Professor X and Magneto. Yep. Um. Daredevil, Bullseye. I mean, there's just so many great ones out there, but I mean, how... How do you... Pick the greatest. Pick the greatest. It's all going to be based off of fanboys. Yep. You know, um... Daredevil, Stiltman? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh... Oh. They made a Marvel Legends figure off of the Frogman. Oh yeah, I I almost bought it, but it was like twenty bucks. You're kidding? No, it's it's so funny because you can see his eyes coming through the mouth. <laughs> oh wow! But uh, uh, Vision and Wonder Man. Always uh, going after the Scarlet Witch. Yeah. It's a good uh, rivalry because it's just funny because apparently she thinks he's really ugly, but she's going to go after that robot instead. <laughs> Same dude inside. Same guy. Same guy. You know, beauty's only skin deep. That's <laughs> what they try to tell you, but apparently... It's not true in Wanda's case. Uh, Emma Frost and Jean Grey? Is that one over Scott? Yep. Okay. See, I think these are all better examples than what they were coming up with. I mean, it's just... You guys are putting thought into it. And that's what I like, you know. Yeah. Where some of these people are just this is what it is. Uh, is it? <laughs> Hawkeye and everybody with powers. Hawkeye has powers. <laughs> that's right, Scott. Betty versus Veronica. Yeah. That's a good one. That's a good one. Uh Jughead versus hamburgers. 
Oh. <laughs> yeah, they, I mean, there's some great ones out there. Just it seems like if you're not a Marvel or DC fanboy, you know, they have no idea who what a rivalry would be because it's all on the big two. There wasn't anything outside of that, kind of like a Betty Veronica. Um, trying to think of others outside of of that. But I guess that you don't have a lot of continuity in a lot of those outside universes, do you? No. Like Speed Racer and Racer X. There you go. Yeah. We were watching, okay, so we were watching the Lindsay Lohan Herbie movie. Mm-hmm. Mm. It's not so bad. No, it's um, not. I actually kind of liked it. Her roommate in college tells her that she's pulling a Racer X. I was like, what? Yeah. That is the weirdest off-the-wall pull yeah. that you could have ever done. I uh, I watched the movie The Grind. It's a skateboard movie from, like, 2003. And uh, I had seen it. I had bought it because I, I really... I, I bought it and took a chance on it and ended up liking it. And now I watch it every once in a while. I'm sorry, what movie was it? Uh, the Grind. Okay. And it's got Bam Margera in it. And uh, I had watched it a lot of, a whole bunch of times and never noticed, like, the uh, Bones Brigade references throughout the movie. Like, there's uh, Animal Chin, which was one of the Bones Brigade uh, movies that they did, that they released, home movies. And Tony Hawk references throughout the whole thing that I never caught before. It's amazing what you'll catch going back and watching movies like that. Yep. Because I know there's movies I've watched a ton. And then I'm like, I've never noticed that before. If you're in the right mindset, I guess you catch it. Yep. Gru versus intelligence. He's very dumb. He's very, <laughs> very dumb. <laughs> That's pretty good. Oh, isn't the what is it like the dogs like brains from um, or brain from Inspector from Gadget? Inspector Gadget, right? Yeah. Yeah. I've been enjoying some Gru here and there. I don't think I could read it nonstop, but I have been enjoying it a little bit. Oh, let's see. Uh, uh, no, they're not comic book characters. Never mind. I think Hal and Kyle, or yeah. Hal and Guy, Guy and Batman. Oh. <laughs> Ewoks and Porgs. 
No. Maybe. That's a good one. <laughs> Mario and Luigi. I don't know. Did you ever feel like that was a rivalry? Because, like, Luigi never went after the princess. It was always Mario. You know Luigi didn't like being player two. Okay. <laughs> Oh. Why do I gotta be a deuce? <laughs> yeah, that'd be a crappy situation. <laughs> oh. He's just happy that his name isn't Mario Mario. Yeah. <laughs> huh. Well, I mean, there's got it. I'm trying to think oh. just outside of the main. Namor, Mr. Fantastic. Yeah, there you go. I, that's, a, that's good a good one. I don't think that one. I mean, they make reference to it in comics, but I mean, you don't really think about that one too frequently because they just don't use it, beat it into the ground like they have with everything else. Uh, X Men and Avengers. You think? They're always fighting. Yeah, that's true. And they work together and then they fight. They work together and then they fight. Yeah, yeah. You know, I really like the uh, the Hawkman Hawkgirl when it was Kendra and she wasn't uh, Shiara. Right, right. And so yeah. he was always like, Hey, you know what? You we used to, you know, be in love. Yeah, well, f you. You know, I'm not. I'm not her. Fuck <laughs> off. For like the whole, like yeah, for the whole series, it was great. Yep. Kazar versus good writing. <laughs> there you go. That's great. Uh, <laughs> oh, all right. Sorry. So you said Kazar, good writing, which made me think of Rob Liefeld because that's not <laughs> happening. Um, and feet. <laughs> did you see what he's up to? He is no. relaunching the Mighty Crusaders. Is he? No. Yeah. Oh, one more. Deadpool and Cable. I can see that one. So what's he reboot relaunching? The, the Shield and Flyman and Okay. Yeah. I saw that I'm like, no way. But yes way. <laughs> oh yeah, he is. Uh huh. Oh, Hey, he didn't draw anything below the knee. Yeah. He shouldn't draw anything below the neck. You've seen cap tits. So, yeah. Characters I'm getting into are going to be done by Rob. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not entirely sure how I feel about that. 
Is he doing the inside work, or is he doing just the cover? I think he's doing all of it. Written and illustrated by Liefeld. So, now I will say um, that Snake Eyes Dead game outside of the story being unbelievable crap. The covers look pretty cool. It might be okay. But... I'm not holding out hope. Ouch. Uh, hold on. I'm going to put up a picture in the Discord real quick. Copy picture. Here we go. Okay, now... When you see this... He drew two hands, and they're both bumps. Yes. This. He drew two feet, and one of them... Uh, yeah. I don't, I don't know. Is that Namor? Who is that? Looks like Namor. I think it's no, the Jaguar, right? Let's see. That's the Jaguar. We got the fly. Hangman. Um, Black in Hood in the Comet. Yeah. I don't know. No man boobs. No cap tits. Inside doesn't. Top page. Oh no, it doesn't. It's like he uh, took the advice of all those artists that are on on work. You ever watch those? Those are great. <laughs> I saw a post from Dan Slott telling uh, inspire, aspiring artists who want to get into the business to not redraw an artist's work and tell them how they fixed it. Yeah? Yeah. He says it's a, it's a dick move is basically what he was saying and won't ingratiate you with your peers. See, that that also just kind of, like, is something you learn when you actually go to art school. Unlike some of these artists that come into the comic field. Um, peer review is really helpful. Um, when people tell you, you know, that doesn't look right, that doesn't look right. And you if you can't take that, then you are a whiny bitch. No, well, he was saying if... He says, getting it from your peers is fine. But somebody who's not in the business... And critiques your work. But what if they're a better artist than you? <laughs> Dance lot. Come on. He's a writer, right? I guess. So I don't know. He should shut up and get back on the on the seat with his pen. No, I'm just kidding. I don't know. I'm just saying that you know when people don't take criticism, just because you've made it into comics doesn't make you a great cart like artist I agree look at the guy who did Transformers G.I. Joe yeah so he needs to not be publicized everywhere that book is horrible but I don't know 
sometimes these guys, you got to tell them what you did wrong. They did wrong. Yeah. And then they'll be like, I don't like you. You'll never work for DC Comics in your life. Well, that's the way it's going, that's very possible because I don't know if there's going to be much left of DC Comics anytime <laughs> soon. The way this stuff's going. Oh. I don't know. I think they're going to start pricing themselves out. I agree. Yep. All right, guys. Hope for the best, expecting the worst. Anything else? No. I think I'm about done with what I got for tonight. Yep. Okay. Quality conversation, though. Later, Scott. See you, dude. All right, guys. Talk to you later. Bye, man. See ya, See ya boys. Bye. Bye.